Welcome to the Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast, where it is our mission to enable leaders to effectively engage and motivate their audience through written and verbal communication. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast. So glad you decided to listen to me today. I have a really cool interview today with my friend Dave Krogan, where Dave and I talk about some leadership aspects in the engineering and technology fields. So different perspective compared to what we're used to talking about here, but about leadership nonetheless. We speak about some lean manufacturing techniques, kind of the Toyota production management system, and just all around being as efficient as possible in what you do, whether it's in an actual manufacturing environment or if it's just trying to be efficient and minimizing the number of clicks on your computer when you're doing a certain thing. So hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dave Krogan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. My guest today is Dave Krogan. How are you doing today, Dave? Uh, I'm actually doing pretty great today. How are you? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm doing great, too. And before the show, we were talking about the weather all the way out there in Spokane. So Dave is joining me from the West Coast all the way out from Spokane, Washington. I briefly mentioned that my family and I lived on the other side of the mountains for about four years outside of the Joint Base, Joint Base Lewis-McCord area where there's only two seasons. There's a season with rain and a very, very small two or three month season where there's no rain. And it sounds like out there in Spokane, you guys have snow, rain, summer, winter, all that good stuff. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, here we can have all four and uh, uh, every once in a while we have all, all four in the same day. That's exciting. It keeps you guys on your toes, I'm sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Dave. So uh, why don't you just tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about, and if you have any special projects that you're super pumped to be working on right now. All right. Yeah. So uh, I introduced myself. My name is Dave Krogan. Uh, I'm from uh, uh, Mead, uh, which is uh, uh, just outside of here. Um, I joined the U.S. Army uh, right out of high school and became a 25 Sierra, uh, which is for satellite communications. I did that for six years, got out, went into military contracting, doing the same thing for another five years, and got out of that, came home, and was able to get a job with DISH, uh, broadcasting uh, TV to all their uh, TV subscribers. Uh, So right now I've been home um, since 2013, so uh, really growing my roots back here in my hometown. Uh, I got married, uh, have, of course, my wife, and we have two dogs now, and nice house. Uh, and I'm really into uh, engineering and uh, building new products. Um, I also went on and got my uh, college degree in electronics engineering and professional uh, project management. Uh, so one of the things I do for DISH is I help them up. Uh, upgrade all their systems um, and bring in new hardware and software to better provide to our customers. No, that's awesome. And uh, I think when when you and I first connected here, we were going to be talking about you know leadership and communication in the engineering field specifically. But you said something awesome before the show, and that was that you listened to a previous episode with Dr. Naftali Hoff. And just kind of that culture and as leaders, how we need to make sure that there's a culture of lifelong learning. So, I mean, do you have anything that you want to add along those lines? 
Yeah, so I I think it's a very awesome topic to get people into being a lifelong learner and kind of grow into that and like keep it up and going. Uh, one of the things I've found in my job experience uh, working with other people is you can have a growth mindset, but then possibly lose it over time. So I wanted to bring up that uh, portion of it uh, just so people can be aware of it aware of it and hopefully um, uh, uh, find ways to be able to get through it. Um, so the, the, the first issue I've found is in the U.S. Army, we go to AIT to learn how to do our jobs. Um, or you can also go to college and learn how to do your job. And um, it, being in AIT or going through college is, you know, really hard doing all your homework and doing all the tests. And you're like always so happy to finally get through it. And because of that, there's a group of people that kind of feel like that's the learning portion of their life. And the rest of the portion of their life is just going to be doing. Uh, but that really shouldn't be the case. Like you need to keep on learning um, possibly not as as intensive as AIT or college, but you definitely need to keep it up and going um, so you can keep at the at the front edge of your career and just just always make things better. Uh, the other issue I've seen is you know once people get into their job and start working for a few years, um, they'll learn a new skill or um, they'll be put in a new class and they'll, learn something and then put it into their job and they'll uh, expect to get some sort of like um, very direct ROI on learning that new skill. And that may not happen at all, or it may not happen to the degree this person thinks that that'll happen. And it kind of um, lets them down. And then they decide that they don't want to learn because it's not worth it. That ROI uh, just doesn't happen uh, in in their eyes, and they just kind of give up. Um, so I think that needs to be watched out for as well. Definitely, and things are always changing. Our environments are always changing. Technologies are always improving. So to ensure that we're we stay on the right path and that we continue to grow as human beings and as leaders, we need to embrace that idea of lifelong learning because things are changing. We need to stay in tune with it to make ourselves better and make our teams better. So I really, I think you said that uh, great, Dave. Anything else you wanted to hit on on lifelong learning before we change subjects here? Um, yeah, uh, I, I just kind of want to put out there that it it really isn't that hard to do that nowadays with technology. You know, you got a cell phone, you can download an app like Audible, uh, download a book, you know, put on some headphones or something when you're doing chores around the house or, you know, driving in and out of work you know, do a few minutes here and there. And over time it adds up. And if you get the right book, you can actually really get into it and ha like have fun learning. And it's always going to be a topic that you choose. It isn't like college where you have to do an elective and you get forced into taking a class you don't want. Um, so it's, it's a lot easier and a lot more fun, I think. Yeah, definitely. It should have, there should be a fun aspect to it. So we should be just really as we encourage growth in ourselves and others, there should be a fun aspect to it. You should be interested, generally interested in it. And 
yeah, anything, making anything fun just makes it much more enjoyable for everybody. So yeah, it should definitely be fun. So moving into the kind of topic of the episode here of leadership and communication, specifically in the engineering field. So what would you say are maybe some of the challenges of leadership and communication in in your field? And what are some things that you see to overcome them? Yeah. So uh, when you first get to like a new job, um, you can walk in and like for me, I'm in uh, engineering in a operations environment and you walk in and there's just a ton of hardware. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of like a a warehouse that's just full of uh, computers and servers and uh, data uh, warehouse, but you can just have multiple rows one after each other and it can kind of be overwhelming uh, at the very beginning. And that's kind of a feeling that you need to um, kind of handle and kind of write out because a lot of these new technologies, you're, you're not going to ever know 100% how everything interacts. And so the best thing is to just jump head first into whatever the, the newest technology is that's affecting your company and just dive in and learn as much as you can about it. And uh, depending on your position, um, become the the expert for your department on that. And then once you get to that level, you can come back and bring what you learned to your your fellow coworkers and teach them and train them what you learned and kind of give them the shortcut answer to how to work on things and when you do that, you'll you'll make everybody work more efficiently. Um, and then if you're all doing this as a team and everybody has their own topic where they're the expert in, and then, then they can bring, bring that knowledge back and somehow share it uh, with like uh, business processes or like a written procedure um, or just like hands-on training, uh, then you can make your technology team uh, better uh, from all that. So I think what I'm hearing you say is just diving in and embracing it is really the first step to being successful at it. Yes, uh, exactly. Um, The other aspect of it is if you are, are coming into like a new company that has been around for a while in technology, then more than likely they have Uh, like some hardware or some software that a particular person knew all about it. And then they have left the company and everything's so busy that no one else is kind of like filled in the gap to kind of learn that older technology. Um, So being able to get into that position and learn that uh, older technology that no one really knows about, but is still like very critical uh, can be like a very good point of entry um, in, into jumping in and helping a team uh, being, you know, uh, being able to uh, support the workload. Yeah, those are great points, Dave. And what would you say are, are some good techniques to teaching some of your coworkers about new technologies? Do you find that generally in, in the engineering field, your field, most of these folks are hands-on learners or, or do they prefer to read the technical man, uh, manuals? What, what have you seen 
what method have you seen the most success with when training new people? Uh, so for me, I uh, do the the portion where I'll go out and I'll read the technical manuals. Um, just kind of a side rant. Usually technical manuals are um, borderline worthless. Uh, they're, they're not intuitive, of course, because they're like written by an engineer for engineers. But if you have like a particular task to do, uh, they're, they're very hard to kind of just get that one task out. So if you're the person who's reading this for the very first time, it's very beneficial if you go into reading the manual, knowing that you, you have like a certain number of tasks that you want to do. And then once you read through the manual, figure it all out, you know, kind of test things, see what works and what doesn't work, what the manual is actually trying to tell you, and then what you're uh, you know, uh, what your company is uh, designed to do with what, with what tools and network setups and then how everything works together, then you can come back and write uh, uh, procedures or business pr- uh, practices, uh, depending on what you call them. Uh, and then once you have that written down, you can go to your coworkers and be like, hey, I figured this out about that one server. This is how we you know, can tell, uh, tell that into it as an example. And then once they have some free time, they can run through it as practice. Or if you ever have some kind of outage where something breaks and you have to do that, then they can just go on your uh, uh, computer, grab the procedure uh, and go out there and just do it. Yeah, I feel your pain for technical manuals being borderline worthless. I mean, I, I think they're probably better used just as reference material and you might have better luck just kind of trying to get your hands on whatever you're trying to do and learn that way and just reference the the technical manual as needed. Yeah. And, you know, like you have people trying to lead. Um, but then on the other side, you have the people that are trying to uh, manage the engineers. And um, it doesn't happen often now, but I, I remember in the past, uh, you'd have people would be like, oh, well, you have nothing to do at work for two hours you know, why don't you go read some manuals and learn about your equipment? You know, kind of the answer is, well, do you want me to sleep for two hours? Because that, that's what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely boring. I mean, even in the military, the couple uh, technical manuals I've had the pleasure to read, will put someone, even after like five cups of coffee, will put, put me to sleep pretty darn quickly. So I feel your pain there, man. So uh, before the show, we were talking about, you know, discussing some ways to improve daily work so that you can you can just create that culture where you're making everybody in the organization or everybody in your team better. What what are some things along that, those lines that you want to discuss? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that I want to talk about is the career field, the career field I have in satellite communications is as you probably imagine, we're a very niche uh, part of telecommunications. And as such, we don't have a lot of like online presence and people don't really talk in groups uh, that are that big. Um, So what I found is we learn about a lot of different type of niche uh, telecommunications and IT and manufacturing. And it's a part of that being a lifetime learner you can learn about different um, job sectors and then take the best ideas and uh, implement and put them into your system. Um, So an example of that would be uh, lean manufacturing is is a huge one. 
that came from uh, 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 Toyota uh, and manufacturing from uh, Dr. Goldratt, um, where you want to uh, improve uh, the daily workflow. And to do so, it's actually pretty easy at the beginning because you can just kind of like think back about a task that you were um, told to do and you implemented it. But along the way, you kind of found some some things that you didn't think were going as fast as they possibly should. And maybe you build some pet peeves about a certain system not working the way it should be. That's like a perfect example to like dive into that and figure out why it works the way it works and if you can improve it in any way. Uh, one way to try to um, you know dive deep into that is to create a, a, a value stream map where you take each process and, and uh, write it down on paper step-by-step. Uh, 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 step. And with each step, try to like put the time. And if you're like, say you're on a PC, like how many clicks you do and just go through the whole process. And then once you have it laid out, you can kind of see what you can take out and what's waste. Um, that's one more big uh, topic in in uh, lean manufacturing is you want to get rid of any waste. Um, so like wasteful clicks or wasteful movements or doing the same movement more than once uh, are big things to look for. And, and you can make the processes a lot more efficient and a lot of times a lot more safe because you can take out actions that are unneeded that are actually not safe. And so you can help uh, in, in, in two ways that way. Uh, I'll uh, uh, give an example. Um, one of the tasks we have is we have to bring in a uh, amplifier hardware uh, and test it out. So we have to put it on this bench and hook it up to all these um, uh, PCs uh, to test it out. And when we first started doing this, we had all the tools to do it, but they weren't in that location. So we'd have to do one step, go find the tool, come back, you know, do the action with the tool, go to another room, grab another tool, you know, do that action. And this just added a lot of time. And, you know, uh, thinking about, about it now, the tools were probably only like $25 worth of tools. Like, you know, pretty much nothing when you think, you know, how big our company is and stuff. Um, and the, uh, when I first started doing the task, it'd take anywhere like half an hour to 45 minutes, where now we can do it in like 15 to 20 minutes. No problem. Like we're not actually working faster. We're just being a lot more efficient uh, because now we have all the tools in that one room. They're all within arm's length. They're in the proper place and, and everything's safer that way as well. Uh, so, so that's one example about uh, improving one task that you, you do all the time. And then, uh, you know, over like a calendar um, period, you can save a lot of time there and then put that time into doing other things. Definitely. I have some experience in food manufacturing, but uh, the company I worked for was huge into uh, the lean manufacturing model and 5S and all that great stuff. So there was a place for everything and everything needed to be in its place, really just getting after being as efficient as 
like physically possible so that obviously more efficient that you can be the lower that your production cost will be so that you can then make more money. And Toyota, like you said, is the the organization that kind of invented that model and, and invented it in Japan and brought it over here to the US. So yeah, excellent points. Listeners, if you haven't really taken a deep dive into lean manufacturing, I definitely think that you should. There's a lot of good words of wisdom in there, techniques, things that you can implement in your organization, even if it's not a manufacturing organization. I mean, just like you were saying, Dave, are you making, you know, maybe too many mouse clicks trying to do a process where you can really focus on what you're doing, make the, make your workflow more efficient and save some time and maybe in this case, get your work done more quickly? Exactly. Um uh, well, one thing I'll also bring up is there was a book that came out um, a couple of years ago by Gene Kim called uh, The Phoenix Project, uh, which is a really good example about how they took lean manufacturing ideas and put them in an, an IT job. And just off the top of your head, you wouldn't think that would work too well. Like maybe there were a few things, but it like totally applied to everything and and made everything way more efficient. Um, and then since then, he's actually come out with a, 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 a sequel book uh, that I also uh, would read as well. I'll have to check that out. I will have that link to the Phoenix Project in the show notes, listeners. So if you want to check that out. And again, who was the author of that, Dave? Uh, that is uh, Gene Kim. Anything else you uh, you wanted to talk about in the lean manufacturing world here? Um, yeah, so I'll... Uh, yeah, uh, apply it more to uh, engineering. Um, uh, one of the things that's very common for in engineers to develop is a PC that's able to reach out and talk to everything else. And so you can see how everything's working and get a sense of if if it's working well, then usually there's a green light. And if it's not working well, then there's a red light and usually an alarm. Um, and those are... Uh, created by engineers and it'll start with one system go to the next system go to the next system and over time they can get very complex which engineers kind of like to have complexity because it's um, very interesting to us and it's um, it kind of feels good to know that oh I can you know do this very complex thing now where maybe last week you couldn't um, but what I would uh, suggest you, you do is go through that system and add a new page that, that is, is designed to make a task more efficient and only show the things on the screen that apply to that single task. Because uh, I've, I've actually done this uh, in the past with some of ours, and I've been able to get improvements where you can do a task uh, 85 uh, uh, percent faster uh, and with with less risk of of the person uh, clicking on a, a piece of equipment that doesn't apply to the task and causing some kind of error. Um, so your error rate actually goes down uh, as you can perform the task faster. No, that's a great point. Uh, well said and really kind of I see the point for engineers wanting to have complex, intricate systems, but at the same time, 
I, I think they need to be kind of user friendly. So someone like me with not an engineering bone in my body is able to figure out the process and make sure the work gets done. Yep. Definitely. So um, I ran through all the bullet pointed kind of conversation topics I have here, Dave. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't get to so far? Uh, yeah. So the, the kind of last topic, I guess, is to bring up the uh, engineers that are just that are just beginning, uh, you know, maybe in their, their first or second job as an engineer and how you can kind of help them. Uh, become better engineers in general, and then also become a leader uh, in the engineering ranks. Um, there was a quote I actually heard recently uh, that I think a- applies to this is, uh, alone we can go fast, but together we can go far. Uh, and you know, when you uh, train the next generation of engineers to kind of have your back, um, you, can, you can actually get a lot more done uh, t- uh, together uh, as a team, um, and I, was, I, I would I would like to go up go over some some ways to set that up. So the the uh, the first thing I would do as an engineer is working with the uh, management team is to make sure there's uh, kind of like a back end uh, in in uh, environment where the upcoming I- engineers have a place where they can try new things and and fail and not necessarily fail on purpose, but just kind of like push their knowledge so far that it's 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 almost a guarantee they're gonna fail. And and then they can circle back, see why they failed, and then and then see if there's a better solution and kind of keep going from there. Cause what you don't want is to have a, a young engineer coming up try something new fail at it and then having management come in and be like you messed that up you know we're gonna do you know doctor pay you know fire you know whatever kind of horrible thing uh and then that engineer kind of has that learned helplessness that oh well now i can't do that because you know i'll get my hand slapped where if you let that engineer you know grow and get better over time um, in the end, they're going to be a lot further and be a lot more capable uh, to help the company. Um, and and to to, uh, to kind of help that uh, happen, the the kind of more um, experienced engineers uh, need to help uh, build that in, in, uh, in environment where the younger engineers can kind of be like in a sandbox sort of safe area where they don't, uh, you know, break a system and uh, hurt like customers. That's definitely like the last thing you want to do. But uh, you, you, you do need kind of an area where the, where the younger engineers um, uh, can have a place to play and uh, develop and learn new concepts uh, and then grow, uh, you know, as best they can. Um, and then, have them come back and kind of going to the first question, um, circling back around, uh, you know, write those business practices and procedures and, and trainings uh, to come back and train me, you know, on, on you know, some new uh, technology that maybe they learned uh, in college where, where it's, uh, you know, like a brand new technology in college where I'm in, 
in the workforce and maybe I don't have as much time as them to play around with new technologies. Uh, and then so we can kind of bounce back and forth and learn from each other. Definitely. As leaders, it is our responsibility to ensure that, that the next generation is set up for success and you know, can ultimately take our places in the jobs we're currently in as we move and progress throughout our careers. Is there anywhere, I know you're on LinkedIn, Dave, is there anywhere else that if folks want to find out more about you or more about what you have going on that they can find you on the web? Uh, no, actually, uh, just on LinkedIn. Uh, I, uh, I do have my own website, uh, davekrogan.com, uh, but it just uh, is a link to my LinkedIn. Dave, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I know it's a Sunday evening at least here in Central Time Zone, and I'm sure there's a lot cooler things you could be doing. But thank you so much for hopping on the show with me. And I think you you put out a lot of awesome stuff in a field that I'm really completely naive to. So you definitely taught me a lot, and I thank you again. Good. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. And you know, if you, if you have questions in the future, you know, reach out on LinkedIn. You know, everybody else, feel free to reach out and you know, we can, uh, you know, chat about whatever your questions or scenario is and just go from there. Thank you so much for listening to the Get Hurt Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you could do me a huge, huge, huge favor and please leave me a review on whatever podcast platform that you're using to listen to the show, it will be greatly appreciated. I'm really trying to get this show to grow and get it out there to as many people as possible. You know, I'm getting a lot of awesome guests on the show and hope to get a lot of more awesome guests on the show. So you spreading the word is a great way to help me do that and ensure that I bring value to you all out there. So once you do that, because I know you will, because you're an awesome individual, I would love it if you could hop on my website at getherdpodcast.com. If you want to know the latest and greatest what's going on with the Get Heard Podcast movement, there's a newsletter link there on getherdpodcast.com slash newsletter. You can get my once a week newsletter and find out all the latest happenings that I am up to with this project. Again, thank you so much for checking out this episode, and I'll see you next time.